We're going to wrap up this series called Culture Wars this morning. Um, and uh, I titled this message The Inquisition because I needed another word that rhymed with shun. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I, I just want to give you a little bit of a framework. Um, in the 12th century, the, the church, as it was currently uh, organized, attempted to promote doctrinal purity uh, through something known as the Inquisition. And so as a result of that, their goal was to hunt down and punish heretics. And uh, they would either demand penance or in more severe cases, torture and even sentencing someone to death. This was not one of our brightest moments in the church's history. Can we agree on that this morning? Um, there is a biblical response to dealing with unbiblical behavior. And so we as the church need to pursue that. We need to do things the right way. There is a better way, and Scripture teaches us how to do that. And so I want to end this message as we've been talking about a culture that we are living in right now that is opposed to our views and our values. Right? If we hold to the Word of God... As it is written, and we believe what it says, we believe that it is the ultimate authority for us in governing our life and our behavior, then we ought to respond in a way that is biblical to the world around us as well. And, and I want to talk a little bit about how to do that today. And there's an incredible passage in the book of First Peter uh, that really gives us some guidelines that talks about how we're to deal with the world around us. Uh, and so as we're wrestling through these things and as we're talking about these different uh, issues in our world today, uh, and many of you I've had conversations with over the last three weeks, and some of you have shared some of your own personal experiences and, and some of the things that, that you've gone through. Uh, if you have questions and you're curious about some of these things and you want to talk about them, I'd love to have that conversation with you. I, I just want you to know that door is open. Um, this is not an easy thing in our world today to be living in a, in a community of believers that is opposed to the culture around us. And so I want to close this series out by giving us some keys to living in our culture. We're going to turn to 1 Peter 3, and we're going to start at verse 8. And uh, if you want to follow along in your Bible, you can do that. We'll put it on the screen as well. Um, but Peter just gives us some really practical instructions on how we're to interact with people. Here's what it says in verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind, sympathy, brother love, brotherly love, and a tender heart, and a humble mind. Do not repay evil or for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless for those of you who were called that you may obtain a blessing. For whoever desires to live, to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and let his lip and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. 
Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, notice that word is when, not if, right? So that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than for doing evil. I want to just take us through this passage and some of the things that, that Peter brings out. And the, and the first key to living in the culture around us and dealing with the culture around us is to love first. I mean, look at the words that he uses at the beginning. Having unity of mind, sympathy, brotherly love, a tender heart, a humble mind. Do not repay evil for evil. Do not repay reviling for reviling. Right? God's call is a call to love one another to love the world around us, to even love the unbeliever and the person who is opposed to you. Our battle in this world is not against the people who disagree with us. I mean, let me say that one more time so this sinks in. Our battle in this world is not with the people who disagree with us. Right? In fact, if we're to put them in the correct frame of thought, if we're to think about them the right way, we should see the people who disagree with us as people who are image bearers of God's likeness. Their hearts might be far from the Lord, but God created them for relationship with him. And if we are to see people the correct way, then we need to, we need to change our filter at the way that we view them. We talked about unity and sympathy and brotherly love and tenderheartedness and having a humble mind. I missed the part about winning the argument. Did you guys see that part in there? You didn't because it's not there. And sometimes, it, and it's not important, it, it is important that we have solid logic and we have good thinking and we can think the right way and we can, we can process our thoughts. But winning the argument is not the end goal. Right? And so if we're going to live in a culture that's opposed to us, we need to have the heart of Christ in that. We need to live with humility. We need to live with kindness and gentleness to those who disagree with us. Here's the second one. Be a blessing. This is, uh, this is something we don't think about enough. Um, let me ask you a question. When's the last time you baked something and brought it to your neighbor? I feel like we used to do that kind of stuff more often in our world. I remember when, when we moved to Lakeville, um, this was back in 2011, um, somebody brought us a plate of cookies, and we were just blown away by that. I, I mean, it was, just, it was just a simple plate of chocolate chip cookies. It was nothing fancy. And, and they gave us a card and said, welcome to the neighborhood, and had a little verse at the bottom. We're like, oh, these people are Christians. You know? <laughs> and so, so we started putting two and two together. We like Facebook stalked them, which is like everybody used to be on Facebook back then. And uh, so we Facebook stalked them, and we found out, oh, we have a lot of mutual friends with these people. Well, it turns out that they were part of an Assemblies of God church. They ended up being on staff at that church. And uh, they, I mean, they were, um, they were wonderful, amazing, godly neighbors. And so we, we actually ended up getting to know them pretty well and kind of viewed ourselves as partners to win all our neighbors for Christ. 
Um, what if we just kind of took that mentality into our neighborhoods again and said, hey, I, you know what? I'm going to bake something for my neighbors. I'll tell you right now, you'll shock them, right? You'll blow them away with kindness and compassion because people don't do that enough anymore, right? Let's be a blessing to someone else. You know, when, when the pandemic happened and everybody was like locked down in those initial first couple of weeks, uh, I did what just about 90% of the world did and learned how to bake bread in that time, right? Everybody remember that? You couldn't buy yeast in the grocery store anymore. And so I, I learned how to make sourdough bread and we would make a, a loaf or two or three every other day or so. And, um, and I remember um, we'd, we'd make two loaves, we'd eat one of them and then we'd, we'd give the other one away. And this was like the... We couldn't be social and hang out with everybody like we used to, so we'd do the, like the we'd drop a, a loaf of bread off at somebody's house. It was just it was just our way of being a blessing in that time. Um, we, we need to do stuff like that more often, right? Let's show love to the world around us. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, when we had that big snowstorm, you remember that in the in April, I think it was in April, right? And, and the snow was wet and heavy. And I had left early in the morning with Kayla, and we had, we had uh, somewhere to be. And so we had barely made it out of our neighborhood because our roads weren't even plowed yet. And my neighbor came over to our house, and he has a big, like, powerful snowblower. Uh, I have a little battery-powered one that does just great if the snow is light and fluffy, but, like, it was cowering in fear in my garage from this particular snowstorm. <laughs> And he came and, and he had seen that I had left early in the morning and he snowblowed our driveway for us. I mean, that was an incredible blessing, right? We need to do stuff like that for people. We need to start thinking about the world around us in a missional sense, not just because it's a nice thing to do, but because we are the light of Christ in this world. We are salt and light on this earth and, and we need to make a difference. Um, so be a blessing to someone else. I love how Peter says it. We're, it. We ought to bless people because it's our goal to obtain a blessing from God. And so if God is giving us a blessing, then we ought to pass that on to others around us to be a blessing in the world around us. Here's the third one. Live righteous lives. Um, now, most of the time, if you try to do the right thing, people will appreciate that. In fact, that's kind of what Peter's talking about here. He's like, who's going to criticize you for doing the right thing? Then he kind of goes back and says, you know what? Actually, there are going to be some people that criticize you for doing the right thing. But it is a blessing to you when people persecute you for righteous behavior. And we ought to honor the Lord with our lives. We ought to seek to be above reproach. You know, one of the greatest criticisms of the church today is hypocrisy. And frankly, a lot of times it's unfair. A lot of the things that people say and do about the church, uh, a lot of the communication that they give uh, when it relates to hypocrisy is unfair. But we don't help ourselves when we reinforce that stereotype. In fact, I, and I understand that hypocrisy will always be a part of the church of Jesus Christ because it's made up of people who are sinful and broken, right? And, and it's only by God's grace that we're saved, and so we still make mistakes, and we're never going to eradicate hypocrisy from the church. But we ought to do our best to live above reproach. 
so that when the world sees the lives that we live, we represent the love of Jesus Christ. Um, here's the, the third one, or the fourth one. Be prepared to make a defense. Be prepared. Now, I want to just go back and just read this verse because I want you to hear this the right way. It says in verse 15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense. Now, if we were to stop there, we'd probably be pretty good at it as a church, right? Because we're really good at being defensive. But if you read the rest of it, it gets a little bit more difficult. Be prepared to give a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Right? It's not to defend your position. It's not to defend your opinion. It's to defend the hope that is in you. People ought to look at your life and see something in you that is different from the world around and see that contrast of hope in your life and say, I want that. Or at least be wondering, what is wrong with that person? Why are they so hopeful? Don't they know this world is screwed up? Don't they know everything is bad? I mean, I've literally had that conversation with people. They just are like, everything in the world is a mess. And why are you so happy? Like, what's wrong with you? Right? Be prepared to give an answer to that reason. Well, it's because I have Jesus. That's the only reason that we have hope in this world. It's the only reason that we can get through all of the hardship and all of the baggage and all of the other stuff that the world is dealing with. Listen, people in this world are not happy. In fact, right now, there is a shortage of therapists and counselors and psychologists. In fact, it's really hard to even get an appointment right now because this world is so depressed and broken. And we have the answer to that problem. Jesus is the solution that our world needs. And we ought to be able to communicate that to people. They ought to see that hope in us. It doesn't mean that you have to be happy all the time, right? That you have to be, oh, constantly, everything's great, everything's wonderful. No, that's not the way that life works. But in the midst of our struggle and our pain and our hardship, we have hope. It's not hope and happiness aren't necessarily the same thing, but hope springs out of joy, Right? Joy is more than just temporary circumstances. Joy is an internal thing that says no matter what I'm facing, I have hope because of what Jesus did for me. Amen. And we ought to live differently than the world around us. To be prepared to give an answer for the hope inside of us. Now to be properly prepared, I want you to understand something because I hear this a lot, you do not have to be able to defend every single position or doctrine in the Bible to be able to give a defense for the hope that is inside you. Now, we should do our best to study God's word and to learn it and to understand it and to know it and to be able to answer for it. Um, but not all of us are going to be Bible scholars and not all of us are going to be apologists and able to answer every question 
in that way. Sometimes the best answer that you can give is, I don't know, let me get back to you on that. I use that all the time. <laughs> I'm like, I need to think about it. And then what I do is I go and I read my Bible, and if I can't find the answer directly in there, I go and ask somebody who can help me find that answer. Right? That's why being a part of the community of the body of Christ is so important, because we're not alone in this process. And so you don't have to have every single answer, but you can just say, you know what, I don't know, let me get back to you on that. Or, I don't know, let's look at God's word together to answer that question. And then I love the, the last part of that verse, what Peter says, to give an answer for the hope that's in you, yet... Do it with gentleness and respect. If we could get that through our thick skulls as believers, I just, I think it would change the way that the world sees the church. To have gentleness and respect in dealing with people who disagree with us. Instead of picking a fight, instead of making it us versus them, we approach them with gentleness and respect. You know, as, as we close this morning, and I'm just going to have the worship team come on up, I just want to get super practical and, and maybe address some of the things that I've been um, talking to some of you about. Um, one of those things is, how do I deal with a family member that's living in a lifestyle, or maybe a friend or somebody close to me that's, that's living in an unbiblical lifestyle? Um, I was just looking at some of these statistics, some of the things that, that we've talked about in the past couple of weeks. Um, roughly 4% of the U.S. population is in the LGBTIA plus category. Um, we talked about transgenderism. 0.6% um, of the United States considers themselves transgender, and the highest percentage of those is among teenagers. It's actually considerably higher percentage of teenagers are in that boat. And that might not seem like that much, right? Like if we're talking about 4% or 0.6%, but when you're talking about 300 million people, that's a lot of people. And so we're living in a world where we're, this is just becoming more and more normalized as part of our culture. And so when we say, hey, we don't believe that that's honoring to the Lord, that that's sinful behavior, that creates a lot of tension with our world. And some of you have been in that boat and you've had those conversations. Maybe you have friends and family members that are living that particular lifestyle and, and you're wrestling with how to deal with that. And then... In addition to that, we have a lot of other issues um, facing the church today. 96% uh, of Americans have sex before marriage. Now, when 80% of the United States purports to be Christian, right, those numbers don't match up real well, right? And so we can say, well, that's a problem for the rest of the world. No, it's a, it's a problem for us. We need to do better with discipleship. We need to talk about this stuff. It's estimated that 23% of women will have an abortion by the age of 45. The, the thing is, 
not all sin is public, right? Some sins are very private. And most of the sins that we talk about in the church are private sins. That doesn't mean that they're any less significant or any less detrimental to your life than public sins. It's just that you can hide them better. And so if we're to be honest here today, we need to worry a little bit less about the sins outside of the church and deal with hearts inside this church and inside our body and our fellowship. Because if we're living a life that is separate from what God has intended for us, then we're not able to fully walk in his blessing. We're missing out on opportunities. And we need to, as a church, step up our game a little bit with the process of discipleship and teaching people what it means to follow Christ. So two different responses to people who are living in sin. Um, first of all, I want to talk about what we do for somebody who's not a believer in Christ, for somebody who's outside the church, who's outside of faith. Show them love. Show them love. Just like Peter was talking about here, tender-hearted, humble with sympathy, with a humble mind. You know, we are never going to be on the same page as far as what's right and what's wrong from somebody who doesn't have faith in Jesus Christ, right? There are going to be morality issues that we fundamentally disagree with. But that doesn't mean that we can't demonstrate love to people, right? Sinners have come into the church and been loved for hundreds and thousands of years. And it shouldn't be any different today, even when their sin is worn publicly. And we need to be a church that is loving for those who are outside of Christ. If you have people in your family, if you have close friends that are living in sin publicly, but are away from Christ, don't lose that relationship with them. Don't lose that relationship. Don't isolate them. Stay in touch. Stay in contact. Keep showing them and pointing them to the love of Jesus Christ. Invite them to church. Talk about your faith. Talk about what Jesus has done in your life. That stuff matters. So we have people outside of the church, but we also have people inside of the church. And the response for the person inside the church is a little bit different, right? It's not a completely different process, but we want to disciple people to what it means to follow Christ. So if you know somebody, Galatians chapter 5 talks about what we do with, with the brother in Christ who is caught or entrapped or ensnared in sin. It doesn't say beat them up, knock them over the head, and, and until they get their life together, send them packing. No, it says to gently restore the brother or sister who's caught in sin. Now, 
there's two things there. First of all, gently. I, I want to emphasize that again, right? The heart is still the same, right? We need, to, we need to be compassionate to people who are struggling with sin. But then there's also that command to bring them to restoration, right? To, that is discipleship. Like, we can't just say, hey, it's no big deal and move on and pretend it doesn't exist. We need to help people in this process to live godly, honoring lives. What I want to do this morning as we close, and we're going to sing a song in just a second here, but I want to give an opportunity. Um, if you have, for, for a couple different groups of people this morning, if you have a friend or family member that knows the truth about Jesus, but is living a life that is far from God, that is unrepentant sin, and that needs the Holy Spirit to pull on their heartstrings. They need to, they need to find what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're in that boat this morning, and, and, I would, and God's putting maybe somebody on your heart right now, we want you to receive prayer this morning because we believe in the work of the Holy Spirit. We believe that he's able to transform hearts. Listen, you can share God's love with people. You can, you can share your own faith and testimony. You can even try your best to convince somebody, but only God can change their heart. And that process begins with prayer. And then the second thing is if you're struggling today, and you need God to do something transformational inside of you. You're wrestling with this process and trying to figure out how do I get free from this? You need somebody to come alongside you and help you this morning. I believe that God can do that for you. So I'm gonna ask if you are in either of those two groups today and you wanna receive prayer, would you just stand up right where you're at? And I'm going to ask if those that are comfortable praying, if you'd go find somebody and uh, just ask them what they want prayer for this morning. And that as we're singing this song to close, that, that you guys would pray together. So just go find somebody who's standing, ask them what's going on. Let them, let them know how they can pray for you. And we're going to believe together got a few in front here too. Come on, let's go church. Anybody not have somebody praying with them, just raise a hand, wave at me real quick. We want to make sure everybody's covered. We've got one up in front here.
we thank you this morning that you are a miracle working God. As we've already talked about, Lord, we know that, that you can heal and we know that you can save. Lord, there are people here this morning standing in on behalf of friends and family that are far from you. Lord, we pray that you would give us the boldness and the courage to walk out our faith in our lives. And Lord, for those who are just struggling and wrestling with sin in their own lives and need a breakthrough, God, we pray that you'd help them find that breakthrough in this place. Lord, that they would um, get freedom from whatever whatever's holding them back from experiencing everything that you have for them. Lord, we know that you are good. We know that you're faithful. We love you and we trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We love you.